Listeners of this podcast have heard why snapshots aren't backup. You've also learned why replication isn't backup either. But what if I make a snapshot on one array and replicate it to another array? Is that a backup? A lot of people would say yes. We'll also need things like reporting and cataloging, of course, but I would argue that Snap and Replicate, also known as Near CDP, is one of the most efficient ways we have of protecting data. Hi, I'm W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup, and each episode of this podcast dives deep into a backup-related topic. We turn unappreciated backup admins into cyber recovery heroes. This is the Backup Wrap-Up. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, W. Curtis Preston, and I have with me the guy that made me wait for him today, Persona Maliandi. How's it going, Persona? I'm good, Curtis. I'm so sorry for making you wait. And and why did I wait again? So you could finish the last few minutes of a series that you have already seen? Well, it's and it's not even the entire series. It is just the episode that I was on. Now, granted, I'm near oh. the end of the show, so it is sort of getting to the cliffhanger phases, but right. I was enjoying my lunch while watching the last bits of a show, and yeah, then Cur- and then I was <laughs> like, Curtis, say- I need five minutes, and then I was like, no, I need seven minutes, because there's still <laughs> six minutes left. Well, it is time for the news of the week. The first news of the week falls into one of my favorite news categories. Do you know what category that is? Things that you should be backing up that people don't realize until the data is gone. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, I told you so. (laughs) So what do do you want? Do you want to jump right in on our first news? Yeah. So this is actually something that I ran into on Reddit, which I, for some reason, get sysadmin subreddit, uh, articles right. in my feed and it was like hey did anyone notice that they have data missing from google drive and i was like right. oh man what is this and then it slowly started picking up i think the register carried it bleeping computer and other folks as well but basically what happened is people realized all of a sudden that some of their data was gone and that they didn't have any of their files and other changes since may of this year since May of this year. And this is being recorded in the end of November. So that is a long amount yeah. of time. And and Google has officially responded. And what they're saying, as I was looking at these, these instructions, and, and it basically said, like, um, don't mess around with your drive right now, right? So they were they're saying, don't disconnect, don't do any structural changes to your drive. And to me, what that says is there pro- that there was a suggestion that maybe somebody did a rollback of some snapshot. Yeah. Is that what? Yeah, and I think we should yeah. be clear. This isn't just general Google Drive. So if you just access it through the web portal, right? All of that stuff still works fine. That has all your data. This only specifically affected customers who were using Google Drive for desktop to connect. So that, I, I got to stop. Oh, is that not longer true? I'm seeing, I'm seeing comments from the, that was what we thought mm. a few days ago. 
But if you follow some comments, and again, it we're 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 coming this from yeah, yeah. you know from the outside, and we're not personally being impacted. But there are people who are saying that they've never used the desktop version, mm-hmm. and they're experiencing the problem. Oh, crazy! Those people may be wrong. It's just a couple of people, yeah. um, but they're saying that they're experiencing the problem. But so, I, um, well, which is in, yeah, that's yeah. because I was worried about that. So I went and looked. And Curtis, I know we do. We use OBS as a backup for us recording this podcast, right. and we upload that to Google Drive. And I did go and check to make sure because we just uploaded one a couple of weeks ago, and that still exists. Mm-hmm. So I don't know right. if whatever right. we had shared it with, it looks like not everyone is affected, but right, it looks like there are some random set of folks who somehow, some reason are affected by having some of their data gone. Yeah, so it looks like... Uh, I don't remember exactly where I read it, but the idea is that someone rolled, basically rolled the entire drive or, or a section of this entire drive back to uh, essentially the end of April. And so, and that's consistent with what they're saying of like, don't do, don't do any work in this right now and don't do any structural changes. Cause what I think they're going to try to do is to basically undo that Mm. action which would then put the all of those same customers back to what happened before all of this happened. And if you're making any changes in there right now, those changes will be undone yeah. by that change. What's a little disconcerting is that there isn't, there's no, you know, we, we talk a lot about how companies respond and Google isn't doing those things. Yeah. <laughs> there's not, very, very little information out there about this. Yeah, there was just this one page that basically said, hey, don't do anything. There isn't, I haven't seen any updated stories. I checked before we recorded this and I'm a little little concerned about that. I'm also surprised that they gave service engineering or whoever else the capability to even roll back production to a snapshot that far back without checks and balances in place. Now, I don't know what happened, right? This is all just assumption, but... It's a little scary that someone had that sort of capability. It's a lot scary. Uh, Imagine if you're a company that is using this, you know, you've got all sorts of stuff stored in there and you just rolled it back. Yeah. yeah, I, I I hope that there's an update on this. I hope we know more than we know right now, but uh, if you're, if you're a Google user, it's time to just double check what's going on in your Google account. And this is one of the other reasons why you should back up your data. Even if you use Google drive. Yes. Yes. This is, this is why I put it in the, I told you so category, you know, the, the, the Google, you know, the, the cloud is, is a magical place, but it's not magic. Yeah. So, um, let's take a look at this other story and it has to do with a ransomware attack on a hospital chain in Nashville, Tennessee, and they've got. 30 hospitals and 200 care sites around the country, Oklahoma, Texas, New Jersey, New Mexico, Idaho, and Kansas. And they were forced to divert patients from a, a number of ERs. And one of the other things was that people weren't able to book appointments at um, you know their usual doctor because the patient portal was down. I, I just want to say... Wasn't that long ago? Do you remember when the ransomware groups they specifically didn't target healthcare um, because it ten, you know people can die? But that is 
clearly gone. And remember, there was the case in Germany, I think, where a patient died because an ER was closed and they had to reroute them to a different one. And that's, I think, when it came out where ransomware actors were like, yeah, maybe we will avoid hospitals. Yeah, but clearly not here, right? They targeted this group. And the only update that I've seen is that they, they are starting to restore some services. The, the company said that they did notify law enforcement. It did say that they, um, that they contracted a cybersecurity firm. These are all good things. These are the things that we like to hear. These are what people should be doing. Um, but we don't yet know if they were able to restore services or if they paid the ransom. Uh, we don't, you know, well, we don't know yet. And I think the other big thing is, these are your medical records, right? Another unintended consequence is some of these particular facilities provide specialized care for certain types of uh, ailments. And if they're if they're providing that specialized care and then they're down, it's not like they can just divert that care to some other place. So yeah, this is a real mess. Um, you know, I just the, the thing I think we can take away from this is what is again what, what I've already said. I like that they contacted law enforcement. I like that they contracted with a cybersecurity professional. The key there is that you want to start having those conversations now. You want to identify a cybersecurity firm that you can contract with that you can work with. One of the ways to do this is to con- is to talk to a cybersecurity uh, like if you if you have cybersecurity insurance to talk to them. Uh, and see if they can put you in touch with somebody now so that you can prepare, uh, you know, rather than uh, going to Google and saying <laughs> cybersecurity first yeah. uh, in the middle of your uh, ransomware attack. Yeah, so that might be a bit uh, too that's late. That's hopefully what we, yeah, a little bit too late. All right. Well, that is the news of the week. All right, this week on the Backup Wrap-Up, we have another Backup to Basics topic. And I wanted to talk this week about NEAR CDP, and which is NEAR Continuous Data Protection. And I, I think in order to do that, we have to sort of back up a little bit and talk about the things that we've talked about that have led up to this point. Uh, these are modern backup and recovery methods, basically things that have been birthed in the last 20 years, basically in the 21st century. Before we talk about near CDP, I think we need to talk about the things that have led up to this point. And uh, we're going to talk about replication, snapshots, and what we call continuous data protection. So let's talk about replication first. Do you want to take that on? Yeah. So replication is basically you're taking data in one system and replicating it to the other system. So the second system is an exact copy of the first system. And in the case of synchronous, there's no data loss, right? So your RPO is zero. And yeah, so it is in sync. It's basically a mirror. And that also means you don't have multiple versions on that secondary side. So right, right. if you have a logical corruption or you have a user error on the primary, it's just going to replicate it blindly to the other side. And that's what you get. Exactly. It makes your stupidity just more effective is what the, way I, <laughs> the way I like to say it. And it doesn't matter whether you're, I mean, I suppose maybe if you had an asynchronous replication, you could maybe there's a big enough buffer that maybe you could stop a disaster if you did something really stupid, but you'd really have to be on the ball. 
I would exactly. think uh, to to do yeah. that. In general, the that that replication replication will be great for DR when your site blows up, but it will be really worthless if you're the one that blew it up. <laughs> yeah, right? if, if you had dropped a table or or you got a ransomware attack, which I think we can all agree is uh, a big deal, right? Right yep. now, right? Oh yeah. Uh, and by the way, each of these that we're summarizing have their own episodes back before the episode. So, so if you don't, if you're not mm -hmm. familiar with these topics, <clears throat> these this is just a review of them. They're, they each have their own episode. Yeah. So I think next in the list of topics, I think we talked about CDP next. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, continuous. Do you want to talk about protection. continuous data? Yeah. So basically, continuous data protection is replication with a back button. Right. It. It. it it works very similar to replication, except that the way it stores the data on the other end, it does it in such a way that you can bring the, you know, the destination back from the bad thing, right? The great thing about replication is that it's incremental, right? That it's block level and, it, and, and it, you know, it can keep up with, you know, relatively speaking, real time of what's going on in your production site. The bad thing about replication is the exact same thing, right? So, <laughs> so CDP gives you the ability to go back in time. So if you did something stupid like drop a table, get a ransomware attack, have some sort of logical corruption, it gives you the ability to go back in time. It has a couple of different ways that it does that. Um, that sounds amazing, Curtis. Why isn't everyone using CDP? Yeah, it was, if, if we were having this conversation, say, 20 years ago, everybody was going to do CDP. Uh, the only problem is it's, it's expensive AF, right? Uh, not just the cost of the software itself. It's also the cost of all of the IO and all of the storage required to restore essentially every single change from, you know, during the entire recovery continuum that you are uh, trying to be able to support. And the, the and, and so there are very few actual, I think, true CDP products. There are some that are very specific, like Zerto, I think, uh, would be a CDP product. The There are some uh, EMC recover points. I know that a couple of the other products that I tracked have now been acquired by other companies, and they're just a product on their portfolio. The... Um, but the, basically the problem is, it's just too dang expensive, especially if we're going to use it for everything. Right. Yep. Um, and then we have snapshots. Now you used to work at a company what? that did a snapshot or two. And by snapshots, yep. we mean storage snapshots, not the ones up in AWS, which are entirely yep. different. Yeah. So storage snapshots let you take a virtual copy of a particular volume, file system, et cetera, and keep it there so you can quickly go back to it if you need to restore really rapidly. It's all stored locally, which is great. And some companies, actually, I'd probably say most companies these days allow users to browse snapshots. Right. So they don't need to call up the IT help desk and be like, hey, can you restore this file for me that I accidentally deleted? It's already there. In the system, they can manually browse it. They can pull the data out themselves, self-service. It's awesome. Saves the backup team a bunch of time having to do restores. Right. The downside of snapshots, though, is it's on the local system, right? And when we talk about backups <clears throat> and the purpose of backups, you want to make sure you have a copy that's independent from that primary copy. When you have a snapshot, if something happens to that system, if someone deletes that volume, then that snapshot is gone and you've lost your quote unquote backup. 
So a snapshot is not a backup. And I will caveat that with what Curtis said earlier. Snapshots have changed their names based on what the vendor decides to implement. So an EBS snapshot isn't really the same as what I've just been talking about. It is completely different. They actually make a copy into AWS S3 that is independent from the production. And therefore, it doesn't follow what we've been calling snapshots, even though AWS calls it a snapshot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and I think they're not the only cloud vendor to do that. I also know, for example, our previous employer calls their backups. They call them snapshots. (laughs) which I didn't like it when I worked there and I don't like, I still don't like it, but yeah. So when we're talking about snapshots here, we're talking about storage snapshots, like what you would see in a net app or, uh, and there are different kinds of snapshots. There's copy on right, there's redirect on right. And again, there is a whole separate episode just on that topic. So my memory is that I coined the term near CDP back in the day. They just, they just called it snapshots and replication. And as you may recall, CDP was all the rage. And I remember thinking that CDP was very expensive. And because of that, very few people are going to use it. They might use it for their severely like tier one applications, but they're not going to use it for regular everyday data. Thanks. And yep. what was more common back in that time was that most people would use NetApps for that type of data. I mean, at that time, NetApp was kind of, you know, ruling the roost Damn. of the of yep. the NAS world, right? Network attached storage. And they were very big on snapshots and then replicated snapshots. And, Snap and even supported, um, you know, you could do multiple tiers of that. They were happy. You could, <laughs> you could buy yeah. six Replicate NetApps the data all around replicate. the world. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And... I liked the term near continuous. And I remember um, one of the folks that I interfaced with was um, uh, Storagezilla, which is uh, Mark Toomey. Uh, he lives over there in Cork. And uh, that was my that was my attempt to do a Cork accent for anyone who listens there. And I remember he just he just really hated my term. Like he's like continuous is a binary term, you know, like like immutable. It's a binary term. It's either continuous or it's not. You can't be near continuous. Like, like it's like saying you're near pregnant, right? But pregnant is a binary term. And I'm like, yes, but we do use the word like nearly dead, right? <laughs> there, there are times when we do put the word near next to a binary term. And I just felt that this was a world that was much closer to continuous than it was to what we thought of as backup. Backup at that time, and honestly, even to today, I think, I don't know, this is one of those, like, I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty darn sure that most people still just back up every night. Yeah. Right? Uh, It's like if your RPO is 24 hours or less, you are probably doing some form of, I'm just going to use quote-unquote replication, which is all the stuff we just talked about, right? Which includes async, sync. CDP, near CDP, which, by the way, I also don't like the word near CDP, but that's just me. Well, uh, you just have to get over it because you're on, you're on the podcast now, buddy. Yeah, but 
And then everything beyond 24 hours is probably backup. And I know as technologies change and everyone was like, hey, database backups, I want to do more frequently than every 24 hours. Let me do log backups and all the rest of that stuff. That's when things sort of backup sort of started reducing the RPO. Right, right. And started moving down into that near CDP space. And and again, if you're not familiar with the terms RTO and RPO, you really should be. Recovery time objective, recovery point objective. It, it literally drives all backup design, right? Mm. Recovery time objective is how how long have have you know us and the 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 what do you call them? The um sorry, the stakeholders. What, what have we and the stakeholders agreed that it is an acceptable time for the recovery to take, right? We, we have to be able to bring the data back in four hours, right? And then RPO is how much time, how much data we've agreed that we are allowed to lose by a measurement of time. Not, you know, we can lose 10 gigabytes of data. It's we can lose one hour or four hours or 24 hours worth of data. That's what RPO. And those two things drive backup design. Yeah. And, and I would say that it's also useful beyond backup design. I think anytime you're talking about data protection, disaster recovery, backup, all of these things always take into consideration yeah. RTO and RPO. Yeah. Uh, no one cares about backup window anymore. It used to be that was that, that drove a lot of backup uh, design, but uh, you know, luckily we, we, I think we've tackled the backup window problem. Yeah. So you would probably call what we're about to talk about snapshots and replication instead of near snap and replicate. And actually when we went back to the replication issue or right. replication episode, I would actually call async replication snap and replicate, but that's because of how I entered the storage space and the oh, technology okay. with NetApp. So that's what yeah. I, when I think of async replication, I think of snap and replicate. Interesting. Um, obviously, it doesn't have to be snap and replicate. Async replication could just have a buffer. A lag. Right? Yeah. Right. Just and a lag, a lag yeah. is just a <laughs> snapshot, right? So right. every six hours I do that, that's my lag. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I would say that snap and replicate would be a way to do async replication for sure. Yep. And the... I think the more common way people would probably just use this term uh, snap and replicate. And I'm fine with that. Uh, this is one where I, where I, I'm not going to battle for the term. I do like the term because I think it's a lot closer. Is it to trademarked? What's that? Is it it's trademarked? Not, it's not trademarked. Feel free to use it. There are some systems where you don't make the snapshot on the primary system. You replicate the data and then you make the snapshot over there. My problem with that is that, when you're making the snapshot, you often have to interface with the thing that's writing the data to the snapshot, right? So you yep. want to put Oracle in backup mode, take a VSS snapshot, take a VMware snapshot, whatever it is. Do the, do the thing that you need to do to get the data to be consistent. Then we take a snapshot. Then we replicate that snapshot. I don't like replicating this. You don't. You don't. You know how you people do at? with that. I'm laughing at it because I've actually worked with groups and products that actually do that. Right. And so uh, one way you can solve what you're asking, Curtis, is when you take your snapshot, you are quiescing the application. Right. And you issue the snapshot command to the target. But, but the problem with that is that we need to make sure that the bits are yeah. right. By quiescing. Yeah, I, yep. I find I find that very 
I find that messy. I don't like it. I'm just putting I, that out there. It's not clean. Yeah, it's not clean. Yeah, it's not as it clean. I, I like clean. So yeah. when we're talking yeah. about, you know, near CDP or snapshots and replication, the really nice thing about it is that you can take essentially as many snapshots as you'd like to take within the limits of your storage system. I, I don't know what, do you know what ONTAP is up to these days? I'm guessing probably a thousand. Yeah. That's a lot of snapshots. Yeah. Right. You could take a snapshot every minute for the first hour. You could take a snapshot every hour after that, et cetera, et cetera. So you can take the snapshots as much as you want. And then basically what you're doing is you're replicating the changes that are contained within that snapshot. Right. Um, and, and it's the, much more efficient because the storage array itself is keeping track, computing those differences, and sending them out. So it's much, much faster at doing that than yeah. reading the data out, figuring out the differences, and sending it. Yeah. The challenge, I think, is that it is a storage-level solution, which means that you need to do the interfacing up to the application. Sometimes a storage vendor can help you with that. Sometimes you're on your own. I've been in both scenarios. I, but at today, though, Curtis, I want to say most backup vendors integrate with most storage vendors. Or and it may not be a hundred percent, but if you're picking like the major common ones, mm -hmm. I'm guessing that most backup vendors have API integration with the storage vendors APIs in order to be able to trigger that snapshot. Yes. You can so the question is, do they both interface with the application and with the storage snapshot yeah. at the same time? All I'm saying is you need to look into that, right? Yes. If you're taking yep. a snapshot, you need to do your best to make sure that that snapshot is is application consistent um, the, ver versus the alternative, which is crash consistent. Right. Ah, and, and by the way, let, the fun let me just, yeah, <laughs> let me just use that. Let me just talk about that term for a minute. So if you're not making a snapshot with the in, in partnership with an application, you're creating what's called a crash consistent snapshot. It's called that because it is as consistent as a crash. You, you're essentially like it's like you flip the power switch off on an, on an operational storage array and you get what you get. Yes, nothing is moving, but stuff was moving. <laughs> so well, nothing, your mileage will vary. Yeah, well, nothing that was committed to or committed by the storage array, any rights that were committed by the storage array has been preserved. Anything that was in flight may not have been committed. Right. And as an application, you might have to do some recovery steps once right. the storage array comes back because you don't know what the state is. <laughs> right, exactly. Because some of yeah. those in-flight rights might have been committed, some may <clears throat> not have. And there are those who say, look, you know, it works 99% of the time. You just take more snapshots. And if this snapshot doesn't work, maybe the previous snapshot will be. I'm just, I just, I try to avoid crash consistent snapshots whenever I can. Right. I would, I, I agree for the most part, but there are cases where you could use a crash consistent snapshot at a more frequent basis and do like an application consistent snapshot, say once a day. So yeah. even though, so you can potentially so you have that as your backup a, of your backup. Yeah. Yes. As a backup <laughs> of your backup. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that why, way, why would you're not you do that? I'm guessing the answer to that question would be 
perhaps if doing an application consistent snapshot has an impact on the performance of the application. Uh, I know in the case of Oracle, for example, when you put it in backup mode, it changes how it stores the redo logs, which can, which can have a minor impact on performance. And so perhaps you only do that once a day when nobody's using the database and then you do the crash consistent snapshots more often than that. I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, and then but we just replicate. relying on, yeah. And then you just take that snapshot and then replicate it off. Right. And the, the beautiful thing, I think, of snapshots and replication or near CDP is that what you have, I'm glad that you find that term so amusing, what you have at the, um, I think that's why I can say that I coined this term because nobody else seems to want to use it. So I must have coined it <laughs> and I love it. Um, so the, um, and it's in at least two books. Two that I wrote. Written by. I don't know if it's anywhere. I don't know if it's in anywhere else. But uh, I don't care what you're calling. We're just talking about snapshots and replication. Yeah. Just don't. The 15 don't years call, that I worked. Don't call near CDP CDP because NetApp definitely tried that one, right? Yeah. It is not the, continuous. The, the reason I was laughing is, yeah, the 15 years that I worked in the storage industry, I had yeah. never come across near CDP ever. Until in the way that you're talking about me. Yeah. 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 And I'm fine. I'm fine with that. So again, I'm still taking credit for quitting it, even if nobody uses it, but me, it's not like the three, two, one rule or anything like that. Um, what, one other thing I wanted to mention about snap and replicate that I don't think you covered yet is there are some vendors when you're doing snap and replicate, you may not always have to have the same snapshot retention on your source array and your target array. You might, for instance, decide I'm only going to keep 30 days worth of snapshots on my production system. And on my secondary system, I'm going to keep 90 days worth of backup, uh, worth of snapshots so I can go back. Some systems allow you to set different retentions for snapshots on both sides. Some may not. So you should also, once again, look at your vendor, see what's possible. But I know for some folks, instead of having to go beyond that 30 days and say, okay, now I have to go to my backup infrastructure and pull data off of it, they might be able to say, okay, if it's not in production because it's beyond the 30 days, let me go check my secondary storage system. Okay, I have 90 days worth of snapshot. Can I restore the data from there? Right. Yeah, I, I love that idea, right? Because one of the th one of the nice things about this idea is that you could have maybe have a more expensive primary storage array, and you can have a less expensive storage array that's based on SATA, for example, as your as your uh, backup system. And another thing, by the way, that you can do with a near CDP setup is that you can use that secondary site to give I'll coin a new term near CDP plus. <laughs> so, so near CDP plus is snap replicate, then back up, right? Use that yep. snapshot that's on that, on that target and then back that up with some other method that isn't because one of the downsides that some people pick on uh, snapshot and replication is that your entire Basically, storage and backup infrastructure are all within one vendor. And the, yep. the worry is about this idea of a rolling bug that yep. somehow takes out all of ONTAP one day and it takes some it takes everybody's primary uh, and their secondaries along with it. So well, the other issue also with that just snap and replicate is if you 
say have a backup proxy. So you're backing up your NAS system. You're using a proxy, which is basically a backup client to mount that snapshot and copy the data off. One of the challenges you have is when you mount it to the storage array, that backup client looks no different than any other production client. (laughs) And so when it ends up reading the data, it could cause performance impact because it has to read the entire file system on the source to figure out what's different and move the data off. This, of course, isn't integrating with the native snapshot storage APIs that the storage vendor provides, but is actually just reading it like a normal file system. When you do snap and replicate, you can actually mount the snapshot on the target system and do your backup off of that. And therefore, you're not affecting your production application because you're not impacting the IO on that system. Or you could use our friend Steven's favorite thing, the NDMP. <laughs> yep. You could use NDMP too. The network data management protocol, which was which was another solution. This is like total this is technically off topic at this <laughs> point, but there was this other way to back up uh, NAS systems. Well, it's still around, is that you can back up essentially to tape. NDMP is generally yep. meant to go to tape. Uh, or to virtual tape. And uh, it was meant to solve the issue that you mentioned because it would recognize it as a backup process and then deprioritize it. Yep. Uh, nice it. I, to, you know. Yep. There's another use case I want to talk about with Snap and Replicate. And sure. it's not necessarily backup related, but there are many companies who have a distributed environment and they need performance. And so what they sometimes do is they will snap and replicate to multiple systems as kind of a fan as kind of a fan out. And then they would have clients read from those target systems because they're consistent at some point and use that as a read optimization rather than all these systems trying to hit a single production system. And these secondary systems could be in the same building. It could be spread across the world. So you're now sort of doing read load balancing and you're leveraging the snap and replicate technology in order to move a copy of the data to close to the clients. Yeah. uh, By the way, that's, we, we, I don't think we really mentioned this before, but that's one of the best things here is that that secondary target and maybe even a tertiary target could be very far away because you're doing asynchronous replication, so you shouldn't be impacting the performance of the of the primary array, uh, at least not much anyway. Um, but that that's we can put that, generally speaking, as far as we want to from the primary. Yep. So I'd say the final thing that we would say about snapshots and replication is that that which we've already sort of alluded to, and that is that your backup vendor may support this as just another way to back up pr- production data, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the popular NAS vendors, especially NAS, uh, are going to have something like this. And then uh, the more popular they are as a NAS product, the greater the possibility that they will integrate with a, a backup app, right? So uh, this is just another way to back up especially your on-prem storage. Although some of these vendors are now starting to offer, actually for quite some time now, are offering cloud versions of these typically on-prem products. Um, so anything? can you think of anything else that we should talk about, Persona? No, I think that covers right. it all. Yeah, quite so a bit. It's just a, 
it, yeah, it's 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 a great way I think to have a very tight RPO, a very a really tight RTO. Right, the RTO is really small because basically you just start using the snapshot that that you yep. the, the, there's no restore. You can start but, using like the replicated snapshot immediately while you're restoring the primary snapshot, right? That, that you know, that's sort of the beautiful thing of that. You might yeah. get a reduced performance, um, but so, so the RTO is can, you can meet a really tight RTO. You can do snapshots very frequently. So you can also meet a, a really tight RPO. Um, I know. did have one thing to add yeah. since you were just talking about it. So one thing we didn't talk about, which I think is, super awesome about snapshots is we mentioned previously that snapshots are read only, which is great if you want to pull some piece of data out of it or something else like that. But if you have applications where you need to actually do some recovery process, you can actually take a snapshot, which is read only. And most storage vendors allow you to clone it into a read write volume that you can then mount and connect to your and do your recovery process again against without occupying the full amount of space because it's all based on the snapshot spins up a copy allows you to do the recovery process it's read write you can do all your testing your restore verification which we always talk about on the podcast is go restore your backups and once you're done with that and you validate you can quickly toss it away and then you're good to go so that's another benefit of sort of snap and replicate is you can do all this verification on your secondary system without once again impacting your production Right. There are a lot of advantages to the snap and replicate style of, you know, I'm calling it backup. Right. And uh, this is one of them is, is that, you know, the basically that the that the, the replicated copy stays in native format. And that leads that leads to all sorts of possibilities, one of which I think probably the best of which is, is all of this. You, you can do automated recovery testing. Right, yep. automated cloning, and then uh, test recovery, and that way you're you're validating the actual snapshot that you would like to use for recovery. So yeah, I it's it's a really great way. It's a really great way that I think maybe not enough people take advantage of. So hopefully, um, you know, you've learned a thing or two. And uh, with that, I want to say thank you for uh, joining us. And of course, Persona, this was one where you really shined, I think, because you, you know, you're, you're, uh, <laughs> this is, this is what I flipped and breathed. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, uh, great, great having you on again today. And I promise I won't harp on the near CDP term as much. <laughs> It's going to take yeah. off. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it in Spanish and then uh, it'll be, it'll be better. Uh, and uh, so thanks to the listeners. Thanks for, thanks for listening because uh, that's really the only reason that we do this. That's a wrap. The backup wrap up is written, recorded and produced by me, W. Curtis Preston. If you need backup or DR consulting, content generation, or expert witness work, check out BackupCentral.com. You can also find links from my O'Reilly books on the same website. Remember, this is an independent podcast, and any opinions that you hear are those of the speaker and not necessarily an employer. Thanks for listening.